This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, here with you on this gorgeous Saturday morning. Can you believe this is fall, Charlie? Huh? Really? I love this kind of weather. Yeah, me too. It's just, it's got, oh. there's that smell in the air. And you there's know? The clarity that in the autumn. air too. Yeah. Oh right? yeah, it's just, it's crisp, but it's been so warm and dry. The gardens are loving it. Oh man, you you bet. And I'm going to get back to golfing. I haven't golfed in about five years. Oh really? And But this is my favorite time to go out. Except when you, you know, smack the ball. And it, for me, it goes 50 feet. But it goes under a couple of, you know, a bunch of leaves. Uh-huh. So you got you to gotta get out there before. Before leaves really start to fall. <laughs> I was going to say it goes under like a prickly bush or something. Or, <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, that's, you know, roses that's another or something. one of mine, too. You've watched me golf, son of a gun. Uh, I got a little shout-out here. and uh, As usual. I, no, no. Now, wait a minute. You're no. always shouting. Well, Who I, are you I'm, shouting out to now? I'm, I'm doing a shout-out for you to oh. the Orono Hort Society. Yes, Where indeed. you were this past week. Yeah, what a great group. You were telling me this has been a fabulous, it was a fabulous night for you. Well, it was a fabulous meeting. It's a, it's a fun, they had a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. I guess they do it every September. And the fundraiser was, you know, obviously members and guests coming out yep. to listen to me, the speaker, and bring a dessert. So it's a big <laughs> dessert meeting. You wouldn't believe tables and tables as far as the eye could see. Look at Sebastian's uh, eyes. Ooh, lighting <laughs> up. Platters <laughs> of homemade goodies. You know, whether it was pies or puffs yeah. or cakes or tarts or, oh, my goodness, it was yeah, amazing. Yeah, about what? You told me about 100 people there? Yeah, about that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was stuff. It was a, quite a fun meeting. Well, you know. Maybe more. If, yeah, it's quite a lot of people. there are those out there who belong to Hort Societies, uh, you know, your meetings need a little oomph. <laughs> well, I'm sitting beside the oomph to <laughs> get in touch with Charlie. Uh, I better give the phone numbers yes, here, okay, do. before I get carried away completely. 416-360-0740 in Toronto. And then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Our mantra is call early, call often, one question per call. And if you're a first-time caller, let Sebastian know. He'll be the first voice you hear. Uh, and I will uh, welcome you to the airwaves with... This. You'll earn your wings. Yeah. There you are, Charlie. Okay. It's very good. Uh, okay, a couple of tips. Yes. All right. Today we're not doing updates, we're doing tips. Tips. tips I like it. from our listeners, right. and I'm going to start with a tip from Omafra. Bet on the Jays. You know what? Omafra, yeah, <laughs> oh. do. Bet on the Jays. <laughs> It's all because I went to two games this oh, season. Oh, here we you know? go. You're the, you're the savior for the <laughs> I am. I am. They win when I go, I'm telling you. People should send tickets. Uh, <laughs> do you know what Omafra is? Have you ever heard of yeah, Omafra? Uh, uh, Farm Ontario no, Ministry. Of Federation of Food. No. no. <laughs> of um, Agriculture, uh, Food, and Rural Affairs. Yeah. Omafra. 
Here's the tip. Many horticultural professionals are ramping up for fall applications of horticultural oil. That's the stuff we use in the mm-hmm. spring, and it's called as a dormant spray. Yep. So the oil is part of the dormant spray. So horticultural oil is often applied in the fall. The full rate of horticultural oil <clears throat> excuse me, is excellent for smothering juvenile stages of insects this time of year. Magnolia scale populations were quite high in the GTA this year, and we know that because I've, we've heard that from some, uh, some of our callers. Uh, and I've had some emails on the same subject, making these trees, magnolia trees, are prime candidates for dormant oil applications. Several professionals have reported that for magnolia scale, especially fall dormant rate horticultural oil applications are very effective at managing the pest. Be certain to aim spray on the undersides of twigs to maximize coverage. Hmm. So everybody can do that. You don't need a horticultural professional to do it for you. You can get dormant oil at your local garden center. Follow the instructions in terms of the mix because it's a water oil mix. Remember, keep agitating or shaking as you're spraying because Mm -hmm. they will separate. The family that sprays together stays together. Oh, my. I've heard that for sure, yeah. Uh You have. (laughs) All righty. Well, is that the tip? uh, That's our beginning tip. Yes, exactly. I've got more tips if we have time. Oh, gosh, because now we've got more tips. Okay. (laughs) We're going to be back with Charlie and callers. uh, Woodbridge, Oakville, Richmond Hill, represented by various callers. And we shall return to them and uh, have a chat, uh, Charlie will at least, <laughs> and, in moments. You're just along for the good the time. Guard. I'm along for the good time. Yeah, you betcha. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Let's take a walk to Woodbridge. huh? Here's Diane on the line. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. How are you people? Great. Wonderful. Good morning. We look forward to hearing from you about your show here. It's great. We enjoy it. Oh, good. I have some rhubarb. Mm-hmm. I've had it for many years, and it seems to be going downhill each year. What am I not doing? Hmm. Is it uh, maybe getting more shade than it used to get? Have some trees grown up around it? Well, yeah, but it still gets the sun. I mean, uh, the, the trees are far enough away from it. I mean, it's, it just meaning it's happiest in what we would call full sun, so six hours plus sun daily. Yeah, six hours plus? Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Uh, um, it's the plants itself. Mm-hmm. It's kind of got, like right now, they just like uh, look like tiny little things where I think well, I've seen other people with rhubarb that there's, They've got all kinds of uh, leaves on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and does it come up with good leaves in the spring, and then just not big leaves? No, they seem to be getting smaller every year. And do you amend your soil or top dress with some good organic material, compost, we or put some, we put compost on it? Yes. Okay, around it. Yes, yes. And you do that every spring or fall? No, more in the fall. Okay, that's good. That fall's fine. Now, would it be that the plants are going down, and maybe they should be uh, dug up and, and uh, brought up? Closer to the surface? Uh, perhaps. If you've raised the grade because of your addition of soil, that could make a difference. Yep. Uh, if, that, if you're well, finding... It, no, it hasn't been rose up that much. But yeah, no, I would, otherwise I wouldn't disturb it uh, for that, any purpose other than that. I have strawberries uh, and raspberries in with it, and it seems to be the same issue. The raspberries haven't done well either this year. Uh, okay, and you're in Woodbridge. Now, it's, is it really clay soil where you garden? Would you say that? No. No? Because neither rhubarb nor raspberries like a really wet, damp 
you know, poorly drained soil. They they no. prefer the opposite. They like well drained soils. Yeah, no, no, no. It's so not it's a, not not a soggy spot. Lucky to get watered once sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just when it does rain. Well, you know how sometimes in our gardens we have low spots where the water tends to collect, particularly in the spring. It tends to be the low right. part where it's sort of the boggiest part of the yard. That's no, it's you, higher. It's higher than like it's, uh, in the middle of the lawn yeah. sort of thing, and it's uh, it's higher than the lawn itself. Hmm. I mean, and no obvious insect infestations. There's no ant hills in the middle of that garden because ants can really slow no, things no, down. No, none of that, no. Um, yeah, so nothing obvious pest-wise. A lot of squirrels around and what have you. And, of course, yeah, the birds and will take your strawberries and that sort of thing early in the season. But uh, no. but the plants should be doing fine. Hmm, I have, um, I have no... And these are planted years ago and everything's... Fine. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they were fine. great at one time, and, say, and then it just seemed like each year it just it's kind of gone downhill a bit. But this year it was just it was the pits. Really. Huh. And, I, I mean, it was. Uh, a sl- I'm looking at it right now. I can see them from here, and it just they're so tiny. The plants are so tiny. Hmm. Um, I'll see if I can sort of come up with any obvious other solutions other than what I've said. I mean, the the big one that jumps into my mind is just the quality of the soil and that the soil does deplete with time, so it's just so important well, to be always, you know, amending and, and adding quality yeah, material. But maybe we should be taking some of the old stuff out and starting. Yeah, because you sure don't want, you know, to make things too deep uh, in terms of the depth of the garden. Um, well, so... If I did that, <clears throat> would I have to maybe, say if I took all the plants out now and, and kind of shifted the soil around a bit and then replanted would that work it would it could if if that was an issue i just I just a question whether that would be required i mean it, it is disturbing <clears throat> to lift plants and replant but you often can learn things when you do that like you may be surprised at the amount of clay that's just below the surface of the soil there or something that's going on that you're not aware of from the surface right so and if you're going to do it now is the time to do it if you're going to lift anything and move it around it's a perfect time of year to do that right. digging and dividing could it be that things are so crowded i mean sometimes no, our, our irises really start going downhill if we don't dig and divide every three or four years uh, yeah, just because yeah, they no, get so no, crowded well maybe give that a shot diana but keep in touch with us i'd love to hear the conclusion of it or at least if you've discovered something kind of unusual with that uh, by maybe digging it up and replanting if they get to be real, really progressive and what have you, I'll bring you some down. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, no high hopes on that one. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and uh, okay. we'll keep following that story, okay? Okay, very good. Thank Great. you. Nice thank talking you. to you both. Bye-bye. Take care. Have a wonderful weekend. And indeed, weather-wise, we've got a dandy. Mm-hmm. Let's see what's happening in Oakville. Earl on the line. Good morning, Earl. Hi, Frank and Charlie. I like to ask about taking care of carnations. I'm always buying my mother flowers, mm-hmm. and they never last. I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> well, how, when you say last, how long do they last? Mm, about a week. Yeah, now carnations should last a little longer than that, maybe as much as two weeks. The mm-hmm. two most important things I can tell you about any cut flowers is, and I was told this by a florist, make sure that the vase you put your cut flowers into is pristine clean. Yeah. It's so that you would drink out of that vase. So oh, would they? Yep, it's got to be that clean. So oh, it's wine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a lovely thing to put wine into. Uh, yeah, so it's got to be super clean because uh, flowers will very much be affected by any any algae, any bacteria, anything that's left behind in that vase from past cut flowers. So mm-hmm. pristine clean. And the other thing is to um, maximize the length of, of beauty of our cut flowers, 
Don't put them in full sun, so make sure they're not so near a window. They do get a lot of sun. Yeah, so if you can get them away from the sun, it's better. And actually, if you can get them into the coolest location that you can, mm. they will last the longest. Okay, thank you, Charlie. You're very welcome. Mm. Excellent. Bye-bye. Okay, that brings us to our first break point in the uh, program, uh, the Garden Show. And <laughs> i got to tell you, I've been sitting here trying to figure out how I can do this without sounding terrible. Why? Uh, well, what do you mean? Well, I, I, I'm... I was all this past, well, several days, as millions of others have been watching the Pope, who is what, a, what an amazing man mm-hmm. at 78 years of age, the stamina, but, and what a wonderful, what a wonderful human being yeah. he is. But I watched, I think it was the first day coverage, he had a little hitch in his get-along, you know, and they mentioned it was sciatica. He, had, he has uh. a, a slight touch of sciatica, which I have. Uh. So this morning, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about the, getting ready for work and, and uh, about the Pope and his sciatica and my sciatica. <laughs> and I, you know what? I have not used that spray, the analgesic spray, oh. on my back. Uh, Saracil, right? Yeah, yes, so yes, yes. I did. I used the spray. And then I thought, <laughs> now do I smell like I've fallen out of a pine tree? I'll just ask Charlie to smell my back. And then I thought, no, that, that's no, not, don't that's not do a that. good idea. No. no. And, but you don't, you, I haven't, um, didn't notice any big aroma coming oh, off you of go. you. Well, when gee whiz. I, but uh, how's your sciatica feeling? Well, you know what? I'm, it does give some relief. So far, I think it does. Yeah, it does. And I hadn't, I hadn't used that before. And well, and the Sierra Sil spray, of course, is designed to help with. It's a topical pain relief mm-hmm. spray. So it's, it's pain on the surface, so to speak. Yeah. But because you rub it in, it's an oil-based oh, yeah. spray. Because you know you've got to rub it around. It just warm. It gets really warm, and it smells amazing. And it's all completely Seven natural. Seven natural oils yep. involved there. So it's temp- of course provides temporary pain relief. It is. It does reduce inflammation, and it's recommended for, obviously, external use only for adults and children two years of age and over. Uh, you can apply that up to four times a day. Even spritz it in your bath, bath water. Yeah, which not a bad be, idea. Really neat. Hello to David. So Joint <laughs> Formula 14 is the pills that we take every day. And, of course, the these are three little pills, completely yep. natural mineral supplement from the Sierra Mountains. And uh, just really interesting how those work because, of course, they help keep joints like oil like the WD-40 joints. WD-40 for yeah, the joints. Yeah, so to right speak. So, yeah, um, pretty interesting stuff. So for more information on Sierra Sil, check them on the web, sierrasil.com, or give them a call. I guess they're not there on Saturdays, but Monday to Friday right. in Vancouver, one eight. What is it? Eight seven seven joint fourteen. Thank right. you. S i e r r a s i l. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And I hope, uh, as I am enjoying the favorite part of my week, is sharing an hour here with Charlie Dobbin on The Garden Show as we speak to Betsy from Richmond Hill. Hey, hiya, Betsy. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Um, You know, with all this talk about monarch butterflies, Mm -hmm. my husband brought some milkweed pods home. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what to do with them. I'd like to plant them in the garden, but do I break the pods open and 
try and get the seeds or what? So are they green pods right now or are yes. they brown? No, they're mm. green. Okay, so they, the seeds will not yet be ripe. And actually what I would do, so your husband was out walking in the ravine or whatever. and uh, The and, golf course. And the golf course, okay. <laughs> but, so you could do two things. One is you could take those pods, leave them outside, mm. leave them in a sunny spot. They will start to dry up eventually. And once they start to dry up and get really kind of crispy, either they will spontaneously open or you can just give them a bit of a crack. They'll crack open on the, on the seam mm. and there's, you know, thousands of seeds in there. The But... It would be even better if your husband is still going out golfing some more for him to keep an eye on the milkweed that he sees out there and the pods and wait till the pods are actually turning yellow-brown on the shrubs, on the plants. Oh, right. And then bring them home. Because once the seeds are actually ripe, they will naturally break open and all, you know, these furry little seeds will blast off into the, into the, you know, the atmosphere and the wind will blow them around. So that you have your best success if you can wait and get some riper seeds, seeds that are mature and ready to go. Oh, I And then see. just sprinkle them around the garden in the area where you'd like the milkweed to grow, which of mm-hmm. course is full sun, and sprinkle a little bit of soil on top and just leave them for the winter. They should come up in the spring. So I would plant them pretty soon. Yep. Yep. Pretend you're Mother Nature. <laughs> do what Mother Nature would do. <laughs> so, And they will be ripening as, of course, the weather starts to cool down. The seeds will be completely ripe. But this has just been perfect weather for so much, uh, you know, for so much harvesting and so much ripening of, of fruits and right. seeds, etc. And I thought, you know, as the monarchs are having such a hard time, and I do have a spot that's uh, oh, really sunny, and I thought um, I might help them out a wee bit. Excellent. Well, that's great. And I have seen quite a lot of milkweed this year for the first time. And it's this is a plant that was considered a noxious mm-hmm. weed oh. and was actually, you know, Being illegal yeah. to have on your property for years and years. And oh, people really? made a lot of effort to get rid of it uh, until suddenly this recognition of this is the only thing that monarchs eat is milkweed. Like that's the only thing they lay their eggs on and the only mm. the only plant that the larvae eat. So, so really without milkweed, we, yeah. yeah, we have no monarchs. So that's part of why there's such a push for milkweed now. Oh, so I see. Do they grow you. very tall? Um, not usually. There's sort of two kinds of milk. Well, there's several kinds of milkweed, um, but the tallest you'll get, yeah, three quarters of a meter, yeah, two feet at the oh, most. Yeah, but lots of sun. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very welcome. Thanks. See, that, oh. that conversation brought me back to uh, several years ago. Uh, my late wife, Di, and I took a trip down to Lake Champlain, and we're crossing the lake in, in New York State. Yes, it is. Uh, it's through uh, New York. Oh. Uh, anyway, well, it's, it's a pretty You're big right, lake. You're right, actually. Yeah. No, it is. It's per, per Vermont on one side and yeah. New York on the other. Yep. And we're halfway across, and all of a sudden, these... Huge swarms of monarch butterflies. Really? Pass, yeah, past. I couldn't believe it. That's amazing. And they're on their way to Mexico. Wow. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, I've been on that ferry, too, but yeah. I didn't see swarms of them. Oh, man. Wow. Well, I guess we're going in the fall. It must have been the must, fall. Yeah, they do. And, and of course, it it's not. Amazing. It's interesting, too, because it's not those monarchs that actually make it to Mexico. They they lay eggs, and another yeah. generation keeps flying down. Like, it's a, it's amazing how, how multi-generations go back and forth. So, anything we can do to help the monarchs... We're, yeah, we're there for you. Absolutely. Hey, John and Mississauga, welcome to the Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good Hi, morning, John. John. Um, the question today is, um, <laughs> I'm moving some roses and peonies. Okay. Peonies. Is, um, is that the time or wait till spring? 
Oh, no, this is a perfect time. Perfect time. You can do it in the spring, but Uh if you can do it now, just, of course, make sure you've watered thoroughly Mm -hmm. before you lift and you've watered. Oh, before I lift too. Yeah, yeah, because if you haven't been watering, which most of us probably aren't at this point, Mm -hmm. the soil will be very dry and Uh you don't want to try and lift a plant that's under any stress at all. Plus, if the soil is moist, it's more likely to stay around the roots Mm -hmm. because you want to lift as big a root ball as you can and you want want the soil to stay on the roots while you're doing the moving. Okay, no, okay. because uh, like I said, I, you know, I have, uh, while well, I have a couple, you know, peonies and, and, and uh, I hope I'm saying it right, and um, uh, roses and actually one rose, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I don't know whether, shall I put transplanter? Yes, if you okay. have transplanter fertilizer, uh-huh. use it when you're, tra- when you're planting into the new location. Uh, or bone meal, one or the other, handful of bone meal. Roses, I, whenever I plant or transplant, I typically will always use uh, a handful of bone meal in the planting hole. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, this is definitely a great time to do any digging, dividing, transplanting. The soil is nice and warm. Uh, the plants, as soon as, like, prepare the hole where you're going to before you dig, then lift, you know, move to the hole. And drop into the ground carefully, of course, some bone meal or transplanter, yeah. Yeah, I put soil. Transplanter. I don't have bone. I think I have bone meal, but I don't know where it is at the moment. <laughs> and yeah. then, yeah, firm the soil around nice and firm. Of course, water thoroughly. Uh-huh. This is definitely the time to move peonies because you this is um, you don't want to move them in the spring. You will not get the flowers. Okay. Roses well, you could move in the spring, but it's just much better now because the plants will get going right away with this nice warm soil. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Good. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye bye for now, John. Have a great weekend. Uh, This next call, let me set this up. Uh, (laughs) I say, welcome to the laboratory. We have a mysterious plant to identify. Irene in Oshawa on the line. (laughs) Irene, good day. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. You've got a mysterious plant? I have. I've got quite a few plants in my little garden apart along my apartment wall, but the thing is, I, I threw some uh, seeds in, like spring flower seeds, mm-hmm. and uh, they all came up, and then this mystery thing came up, and I can't identify it, and I got all kinds of gardening books, and the closest one I can come up with is a plant called bo- uh, betony. Oh, yeah. uh, but there's another one also that's uh, a Japanese uh, primula. Mm-hmm. They grow in like a tear. Mm-hmm. You know, they go up, and then there's one one tier of flowers, and then from the center comes another one, and then another circle of flowers. And I've got like four tiers, and, and they're pretty little thing, but I I can't identify it. What uh, color are the flowers? Yeah, uh, they're, they're purple. These ones. Huh. Interesting. And but- betony is purple, but the leaves don't con- you know jive because on the betony leaves they say they're fuzzy and gray, and you know yeah, these yeah. ones are not. They're not. So best thing to do is send me a photograph. If you can, can you okay. take a photograph and email it to me or mail me a photograph either way? <clears throat> okay. That, how, do I, how do I mail it to you? Uh, I can give you the mailing address. <clears throat> my Excuse mailing me. address? No, I can give you my mailing address here at the station. Oh, I don't, like. have a, I don't have a computer. That's right. another thing. I can't get on a computer. So my, my last resort is, is Charlie. <laughs> yeah, no, but you can still take, can you, do you have a camera? I have a camera. Right. So take a picture uh-huh. and then put it in an envelope and you can mail it to me here at the station. And that's the address of? And if you have a pen, a pencil, I, I can give it you... I have it handy. Okay, perfect. So to my attention, so Charlie Dobbin. Yes, I know. And then it's 7070. 70. Jefferson Avenue. Jefferson, like Thomas? Yep. 
Jefferson, okay. Avenue, Toronto. Okay, Toronto. M6K. What is it? M6. M as in Mary. Yep, 6. 6K as in Ken. That's right. 1Y4. Y as in your? 4. 1Y4. 1 yellow 4, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'll try and do that and see if we can find out what this thing is. Yeah, because it's hard to hard to identify over the radio, but I'd love to see a picture. Yeah, I, um, I, I've never seen it before, so I, you know, I've got lots of different things that I can identify, especially mm-hmm. with all my books. But this one has been puzzling me all summer now, and I can't. <laughs> it's still blooming. It's it's been blooming for a couple of months now, and that's it's just great. You know, oh. Oh, that's, that's great. Good. No, I'd love to see it. It's an, it's in, it's interesting. <laughs> well, thank Sounds you, Irene. Uh, thank you very, very much. All right, thank Charlie you. Will be Have a good one. Bye-bye now. You bet. Bye-bye. Have a wonderful weekend, too, and thank you for listening to Zoomer Radio, AM 740, and, of course, 96.7 downtown. That's 96.7 FM downtown. Alice in Mort... Uh, Mort Hope. No, <laughs> Mount Hope. <laughs> good, oh, good morning, Alice. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about... Uh, I have a lavender plant in the container and would i be able to keep it over the winter so in a, it's in a pot right now yes and it's a pot with drainage holes i hope yes okay perfect um de- now depending on do you know what kind of lavender it is no because there are some lavenders that are not super hardy so depending on what kind of winter we have they may or may not su- survive just based on the winter but you can keep any plant alive that's in a pot better if you bury the pot for the winter. So do you have any spot in the garden where you could plant that pot and all into the garden for the winter? Oh no, it's it's a big it's a big pot. Mm, How big? Um, Oh gosh I don't know it's uh, probably I don't know 16 inches across. Oh, yeah. like, oh really? Yeah. yeah it's, and it's all full of lavender. Yes. Mm. Uh, okay. So. Or should I maybe. I was even thinking of um, digging it out of the pot and putting it in the ground, you know, in an area. That could work. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, so just understand that your best chance of success with plants that are particularly borderline hardy Mm -hmm. is to get the roots underground where there's better insulation for the roots and more likelihood of survival. Okay. So yes, if you have a spot in the garden which gets full sun and is well-drained, that's Mm -hmm. very important with lavender. They do not want to be in a wet spot. Uh, Well-drained soil, lots of sun, and you could plant that plant. Now would be an optimal time to do it. Get it in the ground, water thoroughly, obviously, and then over the next few weeks as we start to really cool down, I would um, hill, excuse me, even hill it up a tiny bit once we've had some good frost. Okay. Uh, I would get some extra soil around the crown of the plant. Okay. The crown is where the stems and the roots come together. Mm-hmm. And a little extra soil, a few leaves, just again, just to sort of provide a little more insulation because who knows what kind of winter we're going to have. Right. If we have lots of snow, the chance of survival is much higher. But if we don't have a lot of snow, plants like lavender can really suffer and die. Okay, should uh, I cut it back though? We, the rule of thumb with lavender is you see where this year's growth is. You know what was this year's growth. And what you should do is shear back about one-third of this year's growth. Okay. Okay? So it's not one-third of the plant. It's one-third of the whatever grew, two, three inches that it grew this year. Okay. 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 Thank you. Good stuff. You're very welcome. Okay. Thanks, Thanks. for joining Bye. us, Alice. Yeah, take care of Mount Hope. 
And uh, here we are in Liberty Village, uh, broadcasting live and direct from the Zoomerplex, as we welcome from Alliston, Phyllis. Good morning, Phyllis. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Yes, it's in regards to my peony uh, bushes, Mm -hmm. and if I should be cutting them down soon, or should I wait a while? Well, the thing about peonies is that they will give you some quite attractive fall color once mm-hmm. we have some frost. So, of course, yes. they're green all summer, but right. once the, the days start getting shorter and the nights start getting cooler, the leaves will get quite a, a, quite a burgundy color, deep maroon, which I, I really like. And right. so I leave the leaves alone until we've had some very good frosts. And so okay. we've got real good burgundy leaves. And then what happens is the leaves will start to turn brown and, and shrivel and get a little crinkly. And it's at that point that I cut them off. Okay. And you're right. You do want to cut your peony leaves down to ground level okay. in the fall because they're very tricky to get in there and start cutting down in the spring since they're so early to emerge out of the soil. You can end up doing damage to the growing tips if you start doing a bunch of cutting in the spring. Right. Right. But, so, but wait till um, we've had some good frosts. Right. So if... Um, would that be any reason for the blooms not to come in the summer if I do something wrong with them? Did you find that you didn't have a lot of blooms on the peonies? Yeah, that's, this year I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. The, the reason, the most common reason why people have peonies that don't bloom is, number one, they're in too much shade. So trees have grown or something has happened so that these peonies no longer get enough sun. But mm-hmm. the other reason is because they're buried too deep. Okay. Peonies need to be planted right on, almost on the surface of the soil. Right. So, uh, and as soon as we, you know, we top dress our gardens, we're always adding, you know, compost and composted manure and, and amending, which is great. But we don't want to end up burying the peonies through this process uh, because then they stop flowering. Okay. All right. So you wouldn't, would you suggest something I could give them? Maybe some kind of fertilizer or something? Oh, it's all, in the spring? In the spring, you could, uh, it's a good idea to fertilize all your garden plants in the spring. And it's a great idea to top dress and amend your soil consistently. The challenge is, is you just don't want to add like an inch of soil overnight. Better to add half an inch in the fall and half an inch in the spring than one inch all at once. Just because, you know, remember, it's always being broken down. The soil is always being broken down by, you know, the worms and the bacteria and the, all the various uh, um, micro uh, things going on in the soil. That It's constantly disappearing, so that's why we're constantly adding. Okay. All right. That's good. Thanks yeah. for your call. You have a nice weekend. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you, Phyllis. Uh, and I'm just looking at, you know, the calls. Mm. Woodbridge, Oakville, Richmond Hill, Mississauga, Oshawa. Uh, Alliston. Yeah, Alliston. I'm just thinking how clever it is for advertisers to hook into advertising using this show to get their message out because they're guaranteed to get a heck of a lot of people listening to their message. Well, this right? is one heck of a signal. Well, it is. It's, <laughs> it, you know, really is it really amazing. is amazing. It's no, a, one of the largest. In fact, it is the largest uh, broadcast footprint in North America. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. We reach, uh, without the use of inter- Internet, at least 28 states in, in the United States. Wow. Yeah, and almost like an inch shy of Thunder Bay. Wow. <laughs> so, anybody uh, thinking of advertising, my God, you can't do better than doing it right here. That's right. And yeah. so is that you've got Sierra still on the mind when no, you're saying that? No, no I, I have a whole bunch of other folks who are going to hear from right now on The Garden Show. 
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Uh, you know... Uh, just Charlie and I conferring about it being a perfect time to get our little plug in for Sierra Sill and, and hook it on to that last thought of, you know, reaching so many people. Uh, this Such program. a yeah, huge yeah. broadcast range that this particular signal has and, and station has. Yeah. So and one of the things that I've noticed, there's been some improvements to the Sierra Sill website. So SierraSill.com. Because they've put a nice, really easy to work with, find a retailer near you that right. sells Sierra Sill. So starting with your country, your province, and your city, uh, it's very easy to find um, a, reta- a retailer near you. Now, all the Rexall pharmacies and almost every single good quality health, health, health food, food store, store yeah. carries uh, Sierra Sill. But uh, Frank and I both use this product on a daily basis, three little pills, and it just keeps those mm-hmm. joints oiled and keeps us pain-free to be active, whether we're golfing mm-hmm. and losing our golf balls or we're gardening, which I, of course, am constantly doing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been something that's really worked for us. And, and if it doesn't work, uh, you, you'll, you'll know within 14 days, which is why the phone number is? one eight seven seven joint and it's a money-back guarantee, okay? And they mean it. And uh, it is, is well, I give you the spelling right now. Mm-hmm. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. There we are. Good. Okay, uh, on to our calls. Uh, talking about going all around the province. Yeah. Fort Erie, Eleanor, good morning and welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. Um, I have a red maple tree in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um and it's quite large, mm-hmm. and all its leaves are curling. Mm-hmm. So now, it's a big old, problem? big old purple-leaved red maple. Well, yes. yeah, it's not really red. It's actually purple. It's called a Crimson King uh, Norway maple. Very, very popular. Many of them have been planted all over Ontario in the last 50 years. Right. So, okay, so crispy leaves. Now, and they're curling. Curling. And, um, okay, when a tree's leaves start looking unsightly prior to having a frost, the tree is telling us something. So yes. sometimes it's telling us that it has been suffering in the drought and would love to get some more moisture and hasn't been getting sufficient moisture, so starts to lose leaves early. Uh, in the case of a green leaves of many of the trees, they'll actually start to show fall color early as an indication of stress. So they just start to head into winter sooner than any other trees because they're under some kind of stress. The, the thing that happens to Norway maples may not be a water issue if it's a very old tree, but, um, and we do often see tar spot on our Norway, Norway maples, which are the black spots on the leaves. Yes, I've had them before. Yeah, me too. And I haven't seen a lot of tar spot this year, which no. is quite great. Uh, it's been a, sort of a clean year that way. But I wonder, all right, when was the last time you, an arborist was on your property and did any sort of pruning or trimming on this tree? Uh, oh, years, years, yeah. years, years. Because Norway maples have a tendency to get really, really thick and dense in the yes. crown and grow branches and, you know, stems and yeah. branches and leaves everywhere. So they get – and the plant starts to suffer from lack of air and lack of um, yes, sun, etc., yeah. into the crown. And, yeah, and can get – 
quite mildewy and, and have issues because of that. There are diseases. There's a, a, a anthracnose is a disease of maple trees, Norway maples, when they are suffering. But again, it goes back sometimes many years why they're suffering. The other thing that Norway maples do is they often commit suicide by, by girdling their roots. So roots that will, you know, just cut off all ability to survive, uh, just because that's the way they grow. They do this silly uh, circular thing sometimes. So it's hard to diagnose over the phone, but has anything happened? Like, have you done any construction near this yes, tree? Yes, we have put a, uh, a circle of stone and uh, husk and fern mm-hmm. around it. Okay, that's we did good. that uh, last. Uh, we did that in the spring. Oh, okay. So that was different. It hadn't yes. experienced. And of course, you've been watering with the oh, yeah. hustas, et cetera. So it's probably enjoyed that, and it's lawn otherwise. Right. Hmm. Well, what I would say right now is if you can consult with an int- an int- a certified arborist to come onto the property to consider doing some trimming, mm-hmm. it would be a good idea. And that arborist would probably do that in throughout either in October or November coming. Deep root feeding can be very effective to help just keeping our trees healthy where we actually put the fertilizer down where the roots are rather than up on the surface where the lawn will take it and the, all the, yeah. sur- you know, the more superficial plants will get out the fertilizer. It's, if it's a valuable tree and it's really adding not only to, to your environment but also to the value of your home, it is worth consulting with a certified arborist just to ensure that there's nothing going on that can't be solved with some pruning, uh, some deep root feeding, uh, or, or just, you know, a, a professional eye taking a look at it. Right. Okay. Okay. I thank you very much. You're very welcome. And we'll keep our fingers crossed. All you right. bet. Thank you. Yeah, okay. let, us know, let us know how that works out, okay? Yeah. Well, that's the thing about trees. Yeah. yeah. I was, when I'm even talking to the Orno Hort Society, I was trying to let people know that you know, we forget about our trees. We mm-hmm. just think the trees are fine. They've been there for 20 years, 30 years, 40. They're fine. You know, they don't need mm-hmm. our help or any TLC from us. And then we have severe winters or we have ice storms or mm-hmm. we have no rain for a month. And, and Or you brought this up a couple of weeks ago about new subdivisions and they have new trees planted, mm. but nobody coming around to water them. No, uh, yeah, exactly. So, or crummy soil, like yeah. in the case of new subdivisions, yep. uh, very poor soil that these trees are pl- uh, planted into. So it's it's really important that we do cast an eye to our trees and we do remember to look after them because they don't die fast. Mm-hmm. If, if we don't look after our trees, it takes five or ten years for them to die. Not the newly planted ones, but the established ones. And then we say we think something's happened in the last week or so, but actually no, it's something that's happened 10 years ago that's caused a, a tree to die today. You know, we're now yeah, seeing yeah. that it's dying. So that's that's the important thing. It's really hard to diagnose issues with trees because it's so often it's something that's happened a long, long time ago that causes the decline. Right. Okay, but a certified arborist, the way to go, I think. In that I case, agree. Right? I yeah. agree. Okay. I'm, I'm look, casting, I'm casting look, my eye. I know. Looks we, like we your friend. To, we have to take a little bit of a break Okey here, doke. but Charlie's up. all excited on my behalf. Yes. Because there's a chap on the line, Bruce, who is from uh, a place where I used to live, uh-huh. out in Goodwood, which mm-hmm. is near, Uxbr- halfway between Uxbridge and Stouffville. And um, he's going to talk about, he wants me to talk, wants me yeah. to talk about <laughs> grubs. So, Bruce, I'm coming at you with some sage advice. Frank after is the, our grub specialist. <laughs> after the... <laughs> These words. <laughs> Don't change the radio station. 
Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. You got grubs? Okay, you got Proctor here to help you out. Bruce in <laughs> Goodwood. Hello, welcome to the show. Now, I used to live on, on okay. Wag Road. You know where that oh, is? Just up, yeah, me too. Okay, are you close to that? Yeah, we live right in the the, the town of oh, right, the town. Goodwood, okay. like behind the gas station. Oh, oh for it's a lovely it's town. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. good morning, Bruce. Bruce, okay, so what's going on at your place? What's, is there a legal and or natural uh, product to get rid of grubs or to prevent the skunks from yep. rototilling my yard? <laughs> yep, and I yeah, can't be happier that you've asked and, this question. And also, um, somebody told me fall fertilizer mixed with... Um, Epsom salts. Is, is that would that discourage them at all? And is that a? Have you heard of that? Add to fall fertilizer. Uh, well, fall fertilizer for the lawn is a very good idea. Everybody should use a fall fertilizer, and the reason why is because when we fertilize our lawn in the fall, we are helping to strengthen the plants in the lawn to withstand whatever winter is going to throw at us mm-hmm. and be in good condition for the spring. So, fall fertilizer, if you're is the one, if you're not going to fertilize ever, at least make sure you do fertilize in the fall when it comes to your lawn. Let's make sure though you got grubs. The first thing you must do is to, the patch on the lawn where you've got dry grass, dead grass, right? Go, yeah, go pull well, it. I'm pretty, like I said, I'm pretty right. sure they're grubs because skunks. the skunks are having a field day. Are they? Okay. It's a bumper crop year for skunks as well. <laughs> Any good gardening center then? Uh, nematodes, that's what you ask for, nematodes. And they're almost oh, tiny little invisible worm-like the, uh, They're eggs. When you buy yeah. nematodes at the garden center, they will be little eggs in a sponge, in a package, in the fridge. And you take them home, and then you hook it up to your lawn, uh, your hose or whatever, and spray the lawn and, and uh, use those little guys, and they'll, they'll eat the grubs. Right. So, you've, so Frank, because he's our nematode specialist, <laughs> is, um, is suggesting that your best way to, to keep the skunks from rototilling your lawn, as you point out, is to control the grubs. Like, don't try and control the skunks, just try and control the grubs, and the skunks will go away. And the way to control the grubs is with a completely natural nematode solution that it's not inexpensive. Uh, A good garden center, what, I think I paid... $40 $40 for, it's called Lawn Guardian, uh, because I suspected that I had some grubs in my back area beneath a tree, which is typically where we'll find grub damage, on the drip line of a tree. And uh, yeah, I mixed up, followed the instructions. In my case, I just used a watering can and squeezed the sponge a bunch of times, stir in the watering can, and then water the lawn. Now, it's very important that the lawn is watered before you apply the grubs, while you're applying the grubs and after you apply the nematodes, I should say, because uh, it's all about moisture. you got to have moisture. Timing critical, too, with the nematodes? Because I know neighbors have tried that and, and some had success, some didn't. Uh, the timing is the optimal time to put the nematodes out into the lawn is anywhere from mid-August right up to mid to end of September, depending on weather. Like this year, because it's been so nice and warm, the grubs are happily eating and getting fatter and fatter and fatter. They have not started to go down for the winter yet because it's still so warm. Mm-hmm. So you're, you still have a window of opportunity to get nematodes out there to control those grubs, but you will need to water as part of the process because it has been so dry. What about the Epsom salts mixed 
I think you said 25% with fall fertilizer. Mm, yeah, so Epsom salts are magnesium sulfate. They're, uh, magnesium is um, an a absolutely required micronutrient for plant growth, which is – and plants always love magnesium. Sulfur, it won't hurt the plants as long as there's not too much. If you go to the Epsom Salt Council of Canada website, they will tell you the quantity of, of Epsom salts to put on a lawn. They've got oh, okay. every, every use of Epsom salt and the quantity, qu- recommended quantities. Okay, great. Okay. How about that? Hey, thanks, Thanks Bruce. for your call. Yeah, good to uh, good to talk to. Uh, well, I was going to say a former uh, neighbor, but gosh, uh, we, it was in the early seventies. We yeah, lived out I know. There. It's a lovely mm. area, though. It is a lot of gravel pits in that area, though. Too. I remember driving uh, to work when I worked in Richmond Hill to drive through the country and following gravel trucks down the road and ping, there goes another windshield. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Anywho, hmm. yeah, yeah. And you know what? We're we're just about fresh out of time oh, here. Oh, so we are. Yeah. Where gosh. did that hour go? I don't know. There's Well, now, John up in Penetang and Margaret in Toronto, please call us again next week. Yes, and use that indeed. old line, uh, call early, call often. You know? yeah, that's right. Yep. yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, great callers from all over the province, as you point out. We've just uh, done a, a very veritable uh, geography lesson here. Yeah, and you know, I'm thinking about uh, some of your appearances that you make at these uh, wonderful hort societies. Yes, indeed. You know, for a negotiated fee, I could come along. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was serious. Uh, folks folks who, who want to have a, a wonderful guest speaker at, at uh, uh, horticultural societies, garden folks, Clubs, whatever. Yep. yep. Master gardener groups. Get a hold yep. of Charlie, and the best way to do that is through your email, I guess. That's right. right. So, of course, here at the station, it's C for Charlie dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at zoomermedia.com. You got it. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, yep. or send photos of plants you're not sure what they are, uh, ask questions, and tips. I love getting tips as well. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. A lovely day. We're off to High Park for some good breakfast. Yes. And you're buying today. I'm yes, happy I about know. that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Sebastian. He's the, the wonderful gentleman at the first you hear when you call in. And thanks, like we said, to all our callers. It's great to hear from people all across the province. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.